This is Health Dose, a conversational podcast that focuses on issues that affect your health. I'm Jerry O'Donnell, and today we're going to talk about stress incontinence. Geraldine Strong is a physical therapist at MidMichigan Health. Geraldine is most passionate about working with patients with pelvic dysfunction, urinary incontinence, and pregnancy-related symptoms. Health Dose asked Geraldine, what is stress incontinence? Well, urinary incontinence is the unwanted loss or leakage of urine. And then that word stress is referring to a physical impact on your body that interrupts the pelvic floor muscles that would normally control the ability to hold back urine during that activity. So for example, this is the type of urine loss that occurs when someone coughs, sneezes, laughs, they're jumping or running, getting up from a chair, maybe even lifting their child. So is it safe to assume that this occurs mostly in women? This does affect women most commonly who have gone through pregnancy and childbirth, but it can also occur in men specifically after a prostatectomy, secondary to cancer. And it it can occur in those who have not given birth or had pregnancies, such as athletes, as well as it can occur in children. But for the purpose of this discussion, I will go more in detail of what that looks like in the most commonly affected population. So what causes this to be a problem? What is it about pregnancy and childbirth that causes the uh, issue to occur? I wanted to look at the area that we'll be discussing first so we can better understand that. So the pelvic floor is what makes up the space from your sit bone to sit bones and pubic bone to tailbone. So then if we think about those muscles as a sling providing support to the pelvic organs, they have the ability to relax when you're urinating and rest in a position that would prevent unwanted urine loss and then tighten when we need to hold back urine or when there's a force coming their way, then I think we can better understand what causes the problem. So like we said, one of the most common precursors to stress urinary incontinence is pregnancy and childbirth. And it's a fallacy to believe that this only happens when the delivery method is vaginal, as it can occur when a woman has either delivered through cesarean or vaginally. And then when a mother is pregnant, just by nature, that places a physical strain on those muscles, the ligaments and the organs, and that can cause an interruption of the abilities for those muscles to work properly. And then when we think further, when the baby is delivered vaginally, the baby goes through the vaginal canal and it stretches all those structures that can lead to more significant muscle tearing or nerve damage. And any additional assisted birth methods, such as a vacuum or forceps, adds a component of risk, as well as extended labor and pushing phase. And those things can happen in someone who still delivers through cesarean. So as you mentioned, this presents itself whenever the core is involved, coughing, sneezing, laughing, lifting something. We're not going to be able to avoid doing those kinds of things. How do we treat this problem? So when I have the opportunity to work with a client in pelvic floor physical therapy, it's really important to me to listen to what's happening in the course of those symptoms. So like you said, you know, when they're using their core, they're coughing or lifting or doing something higher level, I want to look at those functional movements. So I take a look at that activity that causes their symptoms. So for example, if they say, hey, you know, when I jump or when I run, I leak or I, you know, I almost pee my pants, you know, what can I do? I want to take a look at that actual activity and see, you know, where there might be an interruption of that kind of cohesive performance of those muscles. Is there still a taboo attached to this kind of a problem? And how do you deal with that as a healthcare provider? I think absolutely there's a taboo. 
I think more and more I do see that women are willing to talk to their doctors about it and seek treatment. A lot of women are very surprised when they come in to see me for this problem that there is even a treatment that exists. They just expect it's part of having children and that they will go on you know, living this way. But I really just try to encourage anyone that feels these symptoms or has them that it does happen. It's not that it doesn't happen, but there is treatment and that we can work best with what works for them. And what's the treatment schedule look like? How long can a patient be involved with you through physical therapy before they expect to see some results? You know, this really varies. When I talk about someone being postpartum, that means the second they deliver the baby until forever. A woman is postpartum after she has a kid forever. So the treatment can really look different for that individual. I will typically see someone once a week for at least a few weeks to get them established on some home programs, kind of addressing things in the clinic as we need to. I would say an average would probably be eight weeks. Sometimes could be longer. You know, they might get to a point where they are really independent in their exercises and they're willing to try things on their own for a while. And then maybe down the road, they say, hey, you know what, I think I can try running again. And then, you know, maybe that's a time where they need to come back in and try some things a little bit more strenuous or difficult. So it can be a long journey, but it might not be. So it really depends on that person. So treatment strategies can include a wide array of techniques using manual therapy or hands-on techniques, retraining strategies, plenty of home exercises. And this would, again, focus on looking at how that individual functions, their trunk, their core pelvic floor, hips. And how effective is treatment? Are you able to get good results most of the time? Absolutely. I think sometimes I'm surprised myself that it might just take a few cues on helping someone breathe a little differently or change their strategies. I would normally see a client in the clinic one time a week at the beginning and then reduce frequency as they have more techniques to do exercises and strategies at home. Mm -hmm. So the main goal of therapy is to assist that client in understanding their condition and to guide them in the ability to have competence in their desired activities, such as running, jumping on a trampoline, playing with their kids, lifting, picking up groceries without having to be conscious of their condition. Treatment is always tailored to the individual based on their assessment, based on their goals. So I'm always looking at what's happening with those pelvic floor muscles, but also their abdominals, their back, their hips, their trunk. It's really a full body effort and treatment is really effective. Uh, It does take a lot of work for the individual at home and it does take time sometimes, but everyone is always happy with the results when they can go and be really active with their family and not have that worry. That is MidMichigan Health Physical Therapist, Geraldine Strong. As always, if you have health concerns, the best place to start is your primary care provider. Need help finding a primary care provider? Go to midmichigan.org doctors. And to learn more about MidMichigan's comprehensive rehabilitation program, go to midmichigan.org rehab. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in again soon. We'll have another episode of Health Dose.